Welcome back. We got the Big Brooklyn trade, some all-star stuff, and Tibbs on the hot seat. I'm Murph. And I'm Sam. We got all that and a whole lot more on this episode of The Thibber Bros. The Bengals won. That happened. But more importantly, this Brooklyn trade happened. And I think I think the same as you, that it's lopsided helping the Nets. Did you just say the Bengals won? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I did. <laughs> I wish they won. Mm. I do wish they won. But, um... I wish there was one more kick, and I would have had a good parlay. What, what to you... I mean, I feel like NBA NBA fans, like, you know, they they get more excited. Like, sometimes in basketball, the off-season stuff and the trade deadline stuff becomes more of a story in itself than the actual season. So, I mean, we saw a couple... You know, obviously the biggest trade was the Harden-Ben Simmons swap, but, you know, a couple other decent-sized trades, some, you know notable players getting moved but it's funny how like sometimes the the off season and all the drama with stars and where they're gonna end up becomes more of like the storyline than the actual games that are being played themselves yeah because like when you're in a, a certain set of the season you have an expectation of where you're at or like the level you think your team is going to perform to and if there's a possibility that you can raise that then that's something that people are kind of probably going to get like jazzed about yeah, exactly, and that's why you saw a lot of Knicks fans disappointed at the trade deadline. Um, the Knicks basically end up staying pat, no moves at all, and uh, you know we'll get into some of the stuff that's going on with Tibbs. You know, a lot of people calling for his head. He's on the hot seat, this and that. Um, but you know, it's a combination of what's going on with the front office and Tibbs right now. And uh, yeah, you know. We saw Leon Rose make a trade early in the cycle, you know, a month, about a month before the trade deadline, acquiring Reddish, giving up that heavily protected uh, Charlotte Hornets first round pick that might get converted. But uh, I kind of like how early that was because it's like, I bet you the closer the wire, because the Lakers were already trying to talk to the Knicks about jumping on the Reddish. Yeah, I think right. they kind of eliminated having any kind of bidding war, so they kind of well, just snagged him under the radar. It was a weird situation, right? Because it's, it's an extra pick you acquired by trading back last year. Fine, you got a couple decent players from trading back, Grimes, etc. But, uh, you know, you use that pick to acquire a young player in Reddish that, you know, starred on Duke with RJ, still like has a very high ceiling offensively. You know, defense is a little bit untamed, but there's you might think that there's actually something there, I feel like, just with his, you know, basically the type of profile he has with the length and everything. But, uh, you know, you do that trade, and then, you know, Tibbs is a broken record about, you're not going to get minutes right away. you got to earn your, like, you know what I mean? Like, all that stuff, he basically says you play well, you practice well. It's so funny Nothing's how he's given in this league. It's a fucking broken record between like, Berman asking him questions. You know what it is? Shit. It's it's almost like us being in New York. We have to deal with people doing the bullshit copy paste of pretending they're from the the Belichick tree. We just got rid of Joe Judge and that kind of like hard ass hard nosed football 
doesn't transfer. Well, but so, like even Tibbs has like that kind of voice where he's like, uh, kind of like Belichick. He's yeah, just he's, like, he's an old school guy, and you know you can kind of respect that and everything. But it's like, what are you doing, giving up a pick if you're not even gonna, you know, at least move one vet? And that was the problem with the trade deadline was. I don't like, and I tweeted this. I don't care if the Knicks. I didn't really care if the Knicks made a huge deal. I wasn't gonna be upset if they didn't try to acquire a star or make a huge splash. But like, it was inexcusable that you didn't even find a, a home for Alec Burks, like any rotation player, a Nerlens Noel, whoever the fuck that might be. And like, you as a front office, you know, basically let Tibbs run it back, or you ran it back with most of the same players, a couple, you know, Fournier and Kemba, who really haven't panned out bringing them in. But, like, you know, come on. At one point, it's like, you know, you can understand giving this unit a second run. Here's some continuity, whatever. But, like, if you're losing games and some of these young players are showing signs, especially, like, an Obi top in this season... Like, I kind of get it last year. You're fighting to win every game you can. You're in contention for playoff spots. You're trying to win every game you can. But it's like, at this point, it, it, there's, it makes no sense. Like, the game against Brooklyn, fucking Taj Gibson. How many minutes did he play? Near, damn near 30 damn minutes near in 30. the game. A 28-point deficit. And you got, you know, top, and you got Cam Reddish and Obi Toppin, you know, young legs at the very least, you know, like Obi plays with energy and everything and like in the short spurts he's been producing finally this season and it's like it's just so difficult to get Tibbs to to realize that he needs to change his ways and that's where I really thought the front office was gonna you know they were gonna basically flex their muscles to Tibbs basically hey we run the show like we gave you your shot to run it back with your guys we gave them multi-year deals with options and, you know, some unexpected stuff happens. You know, we all thought Randall would fall off a little bit. That's happened. Granted, he's, you know... He's in a little bit of a resurgence yep, recently, but it does... And, and we're still think, 12. I don't think that that, you know, I think RJ being out has a big... Like, they don't play off of each other very well. I don't think the fit is great there. Like, I think there was a couple games they both dropped 30. They, you know, every once in a while you'll see them, you know, both have good games. But I think that... RJ was starting to to take over the offense a little bit more on the run that he was going on before he was hurt in garbage time, hey, which is he's another doing some sore good high basketball Tibbs. IQ. You know, having him in in like a ten point game and then he sprains his ankle, but you know, I just think Randall, you know, that was a little bit foreseeable, but not the extent of the fall off this season. Some unexpected stuff happens. Rose has been out. He was in, like you know he's a, he was a huge part of what we were last season. But it comes to a certain point where the front office needs to say, hey, listen, we're trading Burks. We're going to take away some of your vet toys because you need to start giving some of these younger players, developmental type players, some minutes. And it's just, it's tough. And like, you understand where the, some of the fans are coming from calling for his head, but it's, it's, it's a difficult situation because he's not just going to play someone to play someone or just yeah. because... And, like, I heard at one of his interviews, he said, I don't really believe in the whole, like, potential and everything. Like, obviously, he has to believe into it, in it as, like, to some extent, but he he doesn't believe in playing a, a kid based on potential just because, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, It's weird. His, it's it's so DNA. archaic because he does and he doesn't. 
he needs to see the potential. It's like, oh, you know, he's, he, he look good in practice. He's going to practice. He's doing all that. He so it's like you need stuff, to visually man. see the potential versus just like, wow, what seed was he? Obi Toppin is a lottery right. pick? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. But sometimes it, it takes being like put in a role where a player can make mistakes or work through it. Like, you know, Shai Gildress Alexander ends up on OKC, a rebuilding OKC team. He learns, you know, he starts playing point guard after they get rid of Chris Paul. He he does this and that. Like, it, it like development takes, like Cam Reddish, for instance, is a prime example. Like, he's, you've seen him struggle at times, like just getting in and being like, well, I got to like chuck up this three. Here's the the five minutes, eight minutes I'm playing. I got to make something happen, and and it's a tough way to try to get established on a new team. And you know, I, I think we saw a couple games where Cam got a little bit more aggressive recently, but um, it, it's it's a tough way to to make your way to earn your keep on a team. Yeah, and but like just getting the five to ten minute baseline. You know, you're just in there randomly in the game, make something happen. Yeah, and so the inverse of that, the thing I'll say every, I've said it like the past three weeks, is we are so in the middle of the road between saying we want to compete or saying we want to develop. So we've been talking about the development of it and all that. Competing, ow, ouch. The t- the Trailblazers, we lost to that and we had like a 20 point. It's yeah, just, that's, it's the- embarrassing. I mean, some of them, we went on a tough Western, like, Western Conference, like, trip, yeah. right? Like, some of those losses were, you know, you understood, like, a lot of, like, the Lakers' blown lead. The blown leads are really Don't even tease sign. me about quarters. giving us a Golden State win. I don't I don't need that. Don't give me that hope in the and middle of this. It's, you know, some of that was a little bit, you know, RJ's out. Like, but losing to a—I mean, the thing about Portland, though, is they've actually been winning games out of nowhere. I mean, we talked about yeah. this a little bit, but— you know, they were finally forced to blow it up with trading CJ, and all of a sudden you got Josh Hart bawling out of his mind. Like, Josh Hart is looking like Clay Thompson out there. You got all these guys, like, even some journeymen, like Justice Winslow's, like, bawling. Like, you know, where has he been? Stuck on the bench in Memphis and Miami. So, you know, it just goes to show you sometimes, like, you know, the talent of a player and everything might not be like accentuated by the type of either situation that they're in or the system they're in yeah exact case in point is dennis schroeder um celtics and he just either doesn't fit or he like doesn't show he's trying to do the same thing he did in la where he's like that scrappy middleman that's going to kind of run in the basket trying to facilitate a little bit and he like his first or second game in houston he just hit a 20 point which whatever but like it's enough to show that, like, if he's the lead man, if he's starting, like, he has an ability that may be squandered in somewhere like the Celtics where it's just a packed room. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just so many different examples of players. They finally get their opportunity, like, you know, Mo Bamba this season for the Magic, which, by the way, I loved that little trade where, you know, Bull Bull got traded to the Celtics, but he's out for the season. They don't have any use for him. So the mm-hmm. Magic are just like, hey, We'll take some misfit toys over here. <laughs> we have Mar- we took Markel Fultz in the past. Like, we'll 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 mess around with the Mo Bamba, Bull Bull, just like two like uh, unbelievably tall centers that can shoot threes and block shots. So I I'd like to see what happens with that. But yeah, the opportunity thing, you see some of these guys shining in new spots, and uh, 
you know, with the trade deadline, like, let's get into some of the trades, I guess. You know, we'll, we'll get more into the Tibbs mm-hmm. situation. Well, let me finish my Derrick Rose or just, like, of the Knicks' performance uh, yeah. uh, little take is um, you really see what it is like fourth quarter to that piece we're missing of a successful, just, like, a closer. We don't have that. And, like, the thing is, as great, great dandy wow, Randall can do 30 points. He can do this as many assists and rebounds as he wants. He's, he double-doubles just as much as Mitchell Robinson. But it's like, it doesn't pan out. It's just something snaps in them. And they don't, like, right. it's it's like they don't know where it's like, the thing is, I feel like they have the energy. It's just something happens in them where it's like, I they think, they give up to some extent, but I can't I can't pinpoint it to cer- a certain person because it's like Fournier I, I think, like hit his stuff. Go ahead. Well, yeah, Fournier. I mean, Fournier hit some big shots. He he plays off Randall and stuff, but like Rose brings a stability to the offense. I think is what it is ultimately. Like Rose, Rose, like he attracts like like he he has some gravity. Like he's able to get to the basket. He can just. He runs the offense more, even though he's not, like, a traditional point guard. He's not, like, you know, a big pick and roll, like, whatever. He's not Chris Paul, but he he still has, like, the ability to run an offense. And, like, I just think Kemba is very unstable right now. Like, you know, neither of them are in their prime right now, but Rose has, like, found his way over time to gracefully become that vet point guard that can just come be – he can be a six man. He doesn't care about starting anymore. He's just gonna come in and he's gonna be professional. He's gonna be bring you know he to is? that, and that's why it's so big to have him in the fourth quarter. And you don't see that. And then Randall ends up running amok. He tries to do too much, like uh, whether that's an isolation shot or just forcing something in. Oh yeah, he's... Fournier has has his streak shooting and everything. So it's. You know, it's it's a it's a tough situation, and RJ has been t- trying to take more on before he was hurt. But yeah, Rose definitely brings stability that is just not there right now. You know how Alec Burks will sometimes go on like a rampage of like twenty five. Okay, game? I'm sorry, but Alec Burks. Let me just say this is not a fucking point guard, Tibbs, and this is why I think he had to go the most. Like he obviously has had a huge fall off with his shooting and everything, but stop trying to make him a fucking point guard. Like, if you want to, like, in little spurts, play him at the point guard, that's fine. He's not a fucking point guard. Stop trying to make, stop trying to make fetch a thing. Yeah, stop trying to make Alec Burks be a, an actual starting NBA point guard a thing, because it, it, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Yeah, so what I was going to say is, uh, he does have random spots where it's like, I guess, one in every 15 games, he, he does have a genuine good pop-off. That is like what I think Derek. It's like he is a very inconsistent Derek Rose kind of, like De- the the player that they want Alec Burks to be is D Rose, to just be a vet out there. But what it comes down to is, is Burks has always been a guy who's just like an offensive player, chuck the ball, kind of like get your opportunities, you know, shoot your threes, and it's not it, it, his. Him trying to run offense is just not a pretty sight. It, it really isn't. It's not functional. It, it doesn't really work. But, you know, regardless of what happens with this season, though, I mean, you got to be happy with, like, the young core that we do have. I mean, RJ, before he got hurt, was on a rampage. Um, 
you know, overall his shooting numbers are down a little bit, obviously, from last year, but, like, it was becoming, it was starting to average out more to what he was shooting last season, um, you know, his last 20 games or so, and just, you know, I think Grimes has been really impressive, what he's, like, he just seems like He's going to be a very reliable 3 and D player. He's going to shoot the 3. He's going to be a really good defender. Um, and some of the, like, you know, even Mitchell Robinson has looked more like himself. So, And that's what Knicks fans are just, like, fucking pleading for is just to play these kids. Like, let's see what we have. There's a lot more value right now in just playing these kids. You know, we're losing games anyways. Let's see what we have here. Let's see what we can develop some of these kids into and you know the reality of it is not we're not going to keep every single one of these players like there needs to be some internal evaluation that can only really occur when we see these kids play and that you know determines whether we're going to keep them whether we're going to trade them are they part of the core moving forward do we want to use them as an asset so like that is a huge part of it too you know who's in a pickle right now is Deuce McBride. It's like he's back with the Westchester Knicks, and he's like, like dropping like forty yeah. in a game. The thing is, it's just getting called back and forth. Big, big fish, little pond. Um, it's like you know what it is. It's like you ever play like a good campaign, you like it, but instead of it being challenging, you put it on medium, hard, whatever you've done, because you've done it a million times. It's like you're doing it on easy, so it's like. It's like if you're trying to do that on easy, but at the same time, you're trying to, like, prepare as if you know, you're, like, the next day you're going to go too hard. It's like he's going to Westchester, and he's done that. He's he's almost beyond that. But you then know? you can't get actual minutes on the NBA roster. And, I mean, we saw him play a couple games early in the season, and uh, he had a couple good games, so... It's just, what's the utility of, of, of you playing a Kemba Walker right now over just, you know, and I heard there was buyout rumors with him, but just either coming to a mutual agreement that he's not going to play or you're buying him out, whatever it is. what Or, or Burks, for instance. Like, what's what's the benefit of playing Burks over Cam Reddish or, or McBride right now? And it's just, we've come to a point where something needs to happen we were hoping the front office would at least cut loose a couple of vets at the trade deadline okay their value's down because they're playing not as well this year but sometimes it would it's just worth it to move on from that player here's the thing the, the opportunity there we were close to moving on from Kemba remember when he was like not in the rotation for a long while so you're saying that like none of these young guys all these guys that are getting like 10 minutes all the sophomore players they do not fit this Tibbs quota of hard work show a lot of grit and practice versus Kemba who's like eh, I guess I can play now now that like I have x y and z Derrick right. Rose and all these guys that are out so I'm playing by default and now I'm in this in the rotation away from more people and we've talked about this with Tibbs like it's not like and I, and I feel like some people think that like he can't develop a player or something like that and like that is not the case and I've seen like, people are freaking out at Tibbs. Like, I've seen a stupid motherfucker ask on Twitter, who was worse, Fizdale or Tibbs? Like, let's be real, folk. Like, come on, people. Knicks fans, whoever the fuck you are, I don't even know if you're Knicks fans. Tibbs is not anywhere close to as bad as David Fizdale. David Fizdale was literally 
like just a professional LeBron James. I don't like lap dog. Perfect LeBron, attendance, LeBron. LeBron sexual. James enthusiast, Stan like like jockstrap cleaner, whatever the fuck he is. You know, we 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 brought him in to try to see if a star could land. That that blew up in our face. Tibbs actually knows how to coach an NBA team. You know, he's had success in the regular season. And like like I'm saying, like he can develop young players. We've seen it happen with a Jimmy Butler. In Minnesota, it was a little bit more complicated. You know, you had like number one overall picks that were scoring but not really leading to team success. So the thing about Tibbs is if he trusts you and he likes you, you're going to have like, you know, unlimited leash but it's so hard to earn that whatever it is that trust from Tibbs in the first place and some of these young players like if they're not playing great defense or you know there's small lapses they're gonna fucking you know they're basically not gonna you know they're gonna be you know shit out of luck and then the vets you know, he trusts them. Even if they make mistakes, he's going to let them play through it. And, uh, you know, we've seen guys slowly get integrated and work out. But, like, as Knicks fans, we want to see the development of these young players. We're not Chicago. This isn't Chicago as much as, like, you know, we have Rose and Taj. That's that's great. Like, thank God fucking Joe Kim Noah retired, you know. Um, but, like, it's just not like you can't continue to use this strategy and think that that's going to be okay in new york where we sit right now you know know, where where we're trying to eventually get to it's just it's serving us no purpose at this point you know what's the worst part of all of that we're the 12th seed and we're only like three four games out of the uh play-in and it's toying with me too much because, you know, I still got bullshit, dumb boy hope. Because this is this is what I think is going to happen. This is my big hot take of our next season. We are going to miraculously win the play-in tournament. And we are going to get gentlemen swept by the first seed. And it's going to give us a big lot of stuff because I, I hope that we're going to compete a bit when we're playing against the Bulls, uh, Milwaukee, whoever it is. Maybe... I don't know if Philly's going to be the top seed, but I put it on a little bit of money in the trade just in case James Harden makes that team sizzle. But um, I think that's going to be it, and it's going to give you just enough juice to be excited for the next season and be like, we're, we're going somewhere. That little bit of hope where it's just going to, like, trudge up all these emotions. I mean, there's, there's a couple sides to that, so it's like, I would almost rather that scenario happen or we just completely fall out of it and we get a good draft pick you know what i mean like the worst case scenario is like you just kind of are in limbo and you end up with like the 10th pick in the draft and you didn't make the play in you know you were in the play in but you didn't make it you know so it's uh yeah it's one of those things where i think most knicks fans at this point of the season would just want that to see them tank or not even necessarily tank but go with the youth movement and see where that lands you kind of like what what's going on with portland except obviously we're not blowing up our entire roster 
but um, it's it's like there's this draft is kind of interesting. There's a couple top heavy players at the top there, like Chet Holgram, um, Paul, Paulo Blanchero. I saw a lot of Knicks fans were interested in Jaden Ivey. He's not like really a point guard, but really talented guard. So there's some there's some interesting players to like where if we really fell out of it, you know, that might be worth it. Or just as like here's a top five pick and then that's a huge trade chip. You know what I mean? We do own our first round pick, so you know, I'm not gonna say I want them to lose games, but I, I wanna see them just play the young players, see where that lands them in the future and then you know, if that ends up getting us a good pick, then that's great. You know, if they if they figure things out big time and make the play in and make some noise, I want it to be on the heels of the young players and not us playing fucking Taj Gibson thirty minutes and watching Alec Burks play point guard and chuck threes all night into fucking oblivion. So that's that's where I'm at at this point. And I think that's where most Knicks fans are basically at. But, like, you don't trust Tibbs to just all of a sudden miraculously embrace the youth movement and start playing guys' minutes, you know? Yeah. The other thing I can think of that is going to happen that's going to botch some draft capital is we get into the play-in, we win the first game, and then the loser of the 7-8, we lose that one. So it's, like, just enough to give me hope, but... We won the one game and we are two spots away from a better pick. Right. So, you know, we'll see where after the All-Star break, where we land. But, you know, don't I don't expect anything like, you know, hopefully Reddish starts to play his way into the lineup. But don't expect Tibbs to make any crazy so with um, you the know, James Harden trade, did you see the Daryl Morey RJ um, talking to Sean Marks, the Nets GM, general manager? Did you see that? No, what did they say? So there was this really funny reporting that basically Daryl Morey told you know the general manager now of uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, former uh, Rockets general manager, so obviously. You know, he had Harden on his team for years. He was on the phone. You know, he's finally ready to trade Ben Simmons, and he tells Sean Marks, don't hang up the fucking phone. <laughs> to which Sean Marks replies, we're using the F-bomb now, Daryl. <laughs> How much of a pussy does Sean Marks sound like? <laughs> we're, we're dropping F-bombs now, Daryl? Yeah, this. I don't know much about Sean Marks' background, but, like, I hear a nerd voice when I, like, repeat that in my head, and, like, it makes me think that he's, like, some fucking an analytical nerd or something like that. It's, like, you know, he's getting bullied by, by uh, Sean Marks. Or, I'm sorry, Sean Marks is getting bullied by Daryl Morey. But, uh, so that trade ends up happening, and, uh, I don't know, I feel like there was a lot of, like, split opinions on this. So, Drummond ends up, so Drummond and Seth Curry are basically throw-ins in that trade, right? They are, but at the same time, and I'm not saying this just because they swept the floor with the Knicks and all that, they are very good pieces. Drummond, I don't know how he's going to... I think he started... Like, the combination of like him and Aldridge 
makes it so like you can use Blake Griffin, but you don't have to. And then, so obviously Philadelphia gets James Harden, and I think there might've been a first round pick involved with it as well. But, you know, like you said, those are throw-ins, but I think those are two big pieces because, like, Brooklyn was really undermanned at center. Like, DeAndre Jordan isn't really much of what he used to be. Neither is Blake Griffin. Like, Claxton's obviously a decent player, but... DeAndre Jordan was on is on the Lakers this year. I think. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. But you're right. Was, to the I same effect, but yeah, but he is not doing anything. But yeah, Blake Griffin, like Blake Griffin, he's you know they're trying to make him a center now, but he's he's kind of a shell of himself. You got Claxton, so that you know Seth Curry, you're providing a lot of spacing. So I think the most underrated part of this is like that they do have a lot of spacing now between like Patty Mills is doing his thing. You got Seth Curry. Joe Harris has been out, but he's coming back. So there's definitely plenty of three-point shooting on this team, but like I I don't know how I feel about a Ben Simmons KD pairing. To me, it just it seems like too many cooks, and it's like we saw a Westbrook Durant pairing that had varied success, that had some regular season success, but never really broke off of that into like you know they made the finals one season but like Kevin Durant like can cook in his own ways obviously he can iso you know he can he can do whatever the fuck he wants and score 30 in any game but like what is like Ben Simmons like if he can be enough of a threat that's great but it's like we saw him to the point of like, okay, if you're not going to shoot, like, wow, that's not great. Like, you need to at least be a threat out there. But then, even like in the playoffs, he was like fucking unraveling so much. Like, he literally had a wide open layup in that series against Leighton. I forget if it was game six or game seven against the Hawks. And he just fucking dumped it off to Matisse Thibel for a layup. Like, so if, if it's that sort of thing where. Like, if Ben Simmons is just putting a ton of pressure on the rim and everything, and then there's shooters around, and Durant is, like, doing his thing and everything, great. But I I just don't think the fit is kind of interesting. Like, the shooting part, I think, helps. But I I just, I don't know how I feel about that, you know, in a playoff series, if he, like, becomes less of a factor offensively like that happened you know he needs to at least be putting pressure on the rim that's exactly what i was he's a six foot nine point guard you got it you know that's a bare minimum thing and that's what's made him such a good player in the past you know because think about the adjustments that you make from game two to three to four and all that like if you see okay maybe they beat us this time and then you can start planning to see just how little ben simmons does on offense like the possibilities of like we have five guys but we know that we're only actually guarding four potential shooters. Right. And so, like, the thing about it is, is he could totally get back to his ways. You know, maybe it'll be a high-powered offense. You know, he'll get up and down the court. We'll see what happens with that. He's not even in game shape yet. So it's just very interesting. And then you have a Harden-Embiid pairing, which, you know, on paper sounds very good, but Harden hasn't seemed to be able to find a running mate that he can either a get along with or play off of enough like there was rumors he wanted to play more iso and steve nash and company you know 
wanted him to play more within the team framework, but I mean, this whole thing is a fucking mess in Brooklyn, let's be honest, you know, you got what you could out of Harden, you got Simmons and everything, but like, what star is going to want to go play there? I mean, I, I get that Harden is, you know, he asked out in two different situations in a year, but it's like, you got a half part-time player in Kyrie that like, you know, you got to be fed up with Durant, who's injury prone. You know, you're in New York limelight, but you're not like, it's just, I don't know. That, that whole situation is a fucking mess. I wonder if Durant regrets, uh, you know, putting all his eggs in one basket it going sucks. with Kyrie. So it's, it's, it's fucking crazy. And I don't know who you're going to get going forward. So you better hope that this Ben Simmons Durant is a fit because, you know, you can shuffle in some other role players and everything, but you know this is what you got going forward, and you hope something changes with Kyrie that he's not a part-time player. But wow, <laughs> it sucks because like wow. on paper, it sounds so good, and like in Kevin Durant's mind before COVID and all that, great. I've got Kyrie and all that, and then um, James Harden's he's in the mix. Like the three of them, it sounds like a very good big three, and we forget that like this time maybe a little bit earlier last year, or um. I forget when, but it was like, it was the most potent offense in the history of the sport. Like it had like the highest offensive grading or like, I forget exactly what the stat was, but everyone was like, essentially nutting over how, how their offense was going. And now here we are. Yeah. It's just, um, and like Stephen A. Smith was one of the people who basically, said that Sean, that it was a, you know, that he called, basically said that Maury got fleeced because he's saying, I, like, basically, your team got better by acquiring Harden, but you made the Nets that much better by trading Simmons to them. And, and I disagree with that, you know. I think Seth Curry's a great addition and everything, but honestly, I think both teams benefited from it, especially Brooklyn in the short term, getting Drummond and Seth Curry in there. and But I just think that Philadelphia has really improved their chances of making a finals this season. Brooklyn, I'm not too sure. Just with Durant, the, you know, you're not sure about his health. Kyrie being part time and Simmons is just kind of a fucking wild card at this point. He could play well. He might shrivel under the pressure. So it's like, I I still would would say that what Philly did was good for them long term you know Simmons wasn't even and, and you got to keep Tyrese Maxey which to me is big you know Maxey's been really good this season like with the emerging from Simmons not being in the lineup and everything so I think they you know it'll be interesting the East like is like basically I think a three horse race at this point and like I might be saying like the Heat like they might actually have a legitimate shot but to me it's Milwaukee, it's Milwaukee, it's Philadelphia, and then it's the Nets to me. And then, you know, Chicago, I think Chicago and Miami are right there behind, but I, I don't see them as winning the East this year. Yeah, like I, last few times I've seen Jimmy Butler play, he's good, facilitates, all that, but it's like, it's just not enough. They need a little more firepower, and like, one thing that we all forget is Victor Oladipo's on that team, and I think he's nearing a return. Or did, I don't 
don't know if he returned yet, but, uh, you know, Lowry's doing his thing is kind of like being the point guard vet on that team. Bam isn't even, like, super featured in their offense, and they got the shooting and Duncan Robinson and Hero, but I just don't put them quite on the talent level of those other teams. And maybe they can make up for it by just being a really gritty team, you know, and all those things. But, you know, Depot, if he can come back and at least be, you know, like a productive player for them would be a huge lift for them. And obviously they've been probably the most consistent team in the East so far, but that's the way I see it. Um, you know, I think the big... <laughs> The biggest winner of all, though, was was honestly the Nets fans, which, God bless you, there's not many of you out there. You can't even, you know, fill a fucking stadium in the playoffs with three superstars or two and a half, I guess, at the time those three. You know what, we're, we're going to give you a hall pass. You know, James Harden was your boy. He's, he's fucking buying tickets to try to even fill the stadium. No wonder they why were, he doesn't like They Brooklyn. were doing cheap. We'll give you a hall pass because you know what we're going to do? We'll give you a hall pass. We're going to see what you do because you got a whole other year of good stuff. You got a whole other year of, of fans and just seeing but this good team. Let's see if you can fill the stadium this playoff series that you winner, get. So, you know, we talked about there's a lot of varying opinions. Like, I don't know who you think won, like, Philadelphia or Brooklyn. I don't. It's I think both teams improve, but I got to go with Philly in the short term, you know. So the, the Brooklyn's thing, stuck with this, like, you gotta make Simmons and, and KD work, but... It's tough, because, well, I don't know. I feel like if it's a if it's a contest of what is more likely to happen, of harder to perform when he's got this asterisk little hamstring injury, or Ben Simmons do a complete 180, um, I hope that he gets the mental health that he's continuing to get. He's in Brooklyn, he cried, he had tears when Durant was uh, introducing him to the team and all that. But my big guy is Embiid, the forty-point monster. He's he's so fucking good, and I am I've been pissed off that like Ben Simmons or whatever. It's just like when they lose, it's like he's doing everything. He's so essentially like you had to put up the with the bullshit with Simmons too. He, Remember yeah, you, said you, like, you, you know what it is? It's it's two thousand eighteen. LeBron in the finals against the superstar Durant Warriors when he's got Jr. like dumbfounding the ball. Punching the wall, breaking his hand, to continue to the series. But now but he's, it's he's like, got a legitimate running mate for like superstar level player. Yes. You know you got you got a couple secondary really good players. Like I don't think anyone's gonna call Tobias Harris like a a, a star level player. You know he's he's almost borderline, but he's he's a very good player. You know he can score eighteen to twenty a game for you. Maxie's an emerging young player. You got. You know, you lost a little bit of depth in this trade, but I think the firepower is still like, you know, you're you're increasing your firepower basically, and uh, you know the buyout market as always, excuse me, is very big. So we'll have to see. But I think one thing we can agree on is is that the biggest winner from this trade, which I was kind of trying to touch on earlier, is the Nets fans because they no longer have to be associated with that fucking bozo Bulls got next BGN, which by the way changed his name from Bulls got next to BGN so I guess that's for the better because even though the Bulls are the Bulls are a, a top seed season, what are you this fucking bozo's too busy sniffing uh fucking James Harden's jock strap and you know nutting over him so at least they don't have to deal with that bozo he's on to Philadelphia to just fucking ruin uh, he'll probably what is he gonna do just go there and ruin Philly cheesesteaks and 
you know, make life miserable for all those fan bases. Are you, so are you saying that the big... you know, Nets fans, God bless you. I know there's not a lot of you, but at least you don't have to, to be associated with Bulls God next. You can just deal with that lady that's like a fucking witch that tweets racist shit and Kyrie responded to. So yeah, there's one less bozo on uh, Nets Twitter there. If you have the option to be like, I'm going to be a compl- major stand of Harden or the Bulls, like, DeMar DeRozan is not just doing, like, 35 points for, like, seven games back-to-back, all those backs, for yeah, he, nothing. He just broke a Wilt Chamberlain record, right, wasn't it? Yeah, are you kidding? You don't want to give that a, any, like, love? Percentage? There's one record he won't break of Wilt Chamberlain. The 100? <laughs> There's the 100, but also the amount of women that Wilt Chamberlain slept oh, with. Oh, baby. Yeah, that's... That's, that's another discussion for another time, but that... <laughs> I think DeMar DeRozan would have a tough time coming anywhere close to to shooting. Those I'd love numbers. to see because you know we we always talk about different eras, different game, different ball. <laughs> but I I'd love to see like who is this generation's Wilt Chamberlain um humanitarian slang that slang that thing award. Who slang the most? I know for the NFL it's like Dominique Rogers Cromartie cuz he had like you ever hear him listing off the amount of kids? Yeah, he's like, I got so-and-so three years old, so-and-so four years old, so-and-so also four years old. And you're just like, damn. Can you imagine like being able to function at a high level enough to play your sport, to live your life, but to be like, you know what? I got my baby in New York. I got my baby mama Tristan here, like in every Thompson. town. Will Chamberlain is watching Tristan Thompson from above and saying, Fucking- man, this generation's soft. Those are fucking bozo Amateur numbers. numbers. I had fucking 50 love shots. No, like, dude, like, if you ever hear the interviews, it's insane. The amount of people he said, like, women he slept with, it's, it's absolutely insane. So this man was not only dropping triple digits on the fucking court, he was probably dropping triple digits in a week. But, uh, anyways, getting back to the topic of conversation, um... Yeah, I so Bulls got next is gone. Fuck that guy, BGN. But um, a couple other trades. I mean, what did you think about the whole? Another one that I felt like there was a lot of split. Like some people thought the Kings did really well at the trade deadline. Some people thought they were stupid as fuck. I don't know how I feel about Devonta Sabonis not being a pacer anymore. So Tyrese Halliburton was like the big one. That was the Devonta Sabonis trade. It just didn't make sense to me because he's like basically the the lone bright spot on your team and like they had a log jam at guard so from that standpoint it kind of makes sense they're hitching their wagon to deer and fox long term and davion mitchell who was their first round pick this year was starting to play much better but you know trading a player like that has is a tough thing for a fan base and we saw their reaction especially when they start balling on the other team so there's definitely a fine balance. Like, they got a good player in Sabonis. You know, I'm not as high on him as others, but, like, to me, it, does that put you in contention? I don't really know. So, it was just kind of a weird trade, but I like what the Pacers did, in all, in all honesty. Trading Sabonis. Um, they made a couple other trades, and now they have an interesting little, like, uh, roster there now with you got a fun backcourt of Halliburton, Duarte, to first and second year players young players and some interesting stuff going on there so like you know there's just always a balance like you don't want to trade a good young player away for someone who's not going to help you win like 
Portland did trading Gary Trent Jr. and then you end up with Norman Powell, who you just trade to the Clippers for next to nothing. So yeah, like you never know with some of these deals, but like you know, Will Halliburton, maybe Halliburton, maybe the pace or the Kings didn't see Halliburton really continuing with his trajectory to the point where he's going to become an All Star level player. They say, hey, Zabonis is multi time All Star. We can make this trade. Let's do it. So I personally kind of sided with the Pacers and thought they won this trade getting a young talent like Halliburton but you you never know with these trades I know I just I don't feel good about like Devontis Sabonis I checked his age he's our age I understand if he's like five even three years older than that but like he's 25 he's 25 May 6 1996 that surprises me I knew he wasn't like 30 but I would have if you like asked me like what is Sabonis's age I would have said like twenty six or, or I would have said like twenty eight probably like late twenties, but uh. He, but he's so young, so it's just like I feel like he's such a good piece to build around right. that you're not gonna I mean, like you gotta be you gotta have a surefire something you're gonna find in the draft or something that's gonna be that big man rebound machine, and I I don't I, I think it's rarer than they break think. Down everything that's happened as a result of different Russell Westbrook trades because he famously was part of the original Russell Westbrook trade. From, uh, oh no, he was part of the Paul George trade, wasn't he? Because he he was on uh, the Thunder, and then he got traded to Indiana. So I feel like Indiana has actually shown like an ability to be able to do this, where they have to move on from a star. When they moved on from Paul George, like they got Sabonis in that deal. I'm pretty sure. Like, and when they moved on from um, Sabonis, like they got a young, like player with potential so i think you know they're small market teams so sometimes these teams are are pretty savvy with that but like with leon rose in our situation again nothing happened much to the chagrin of knicks fans whether it was to make a big splash or for me personally it was just move on from a vet we didn't see that happen but uh leon rose likes to do his work early like we saw him trade for rose mm -hmm. weeks before the trade deadline last year we saw the reddish deal go down this year so I'd say both of those deals were pretty good, but then it seems like there there isn't much going on. It's pretty quiet on the actual trade deadline for Leon Rose and company come the first two trade deadlines at least. Quick tangent back to Sabonis. What is your final answer, that it was part of the Paul George or Russ trade? I'm confusing myself because obviously, so Russell Westbrook, when he got traded from Oklahoma City, he got traded to the Houston Rockets, obviously. So, yeah, so no, it was definitely the Paul George trade. July 6, 2017, Sabonis is traded along with Victor Oladipo to the Indiana Pacers Which, in like, exchange for Paul George. Good when job. When you think about that trade, too, they, I kind of forgot that Oladipo was part of that. And, like, Oladipo, his career hasn't worked out, but if you remember, there was a couple seasons where Oladipo was an all-star level, like, Probably a top twenty. He's he's on the cover player. of an NBA Live, right? Maybe, but um, you know, he actually he had a nice little peak there, and obviously he had some pretty bad lower leg injuries and everything. But like for Paul George, that's a good return, and like I think some teams get too caught up in first round picks, but that's two players that ended up becoming all stars, and you know, Oladipo's had a tough go of it recently, and they didn't get much out of him when they finally did trade him, but. You know, that's two players that really kind of, you know, were young at the time and were able to develop. So I think Indiana has, like, a little bit of a knack for that. And 
that's not the easiest thing to do, you know, when you can't hold on to your star player and you're forced to trade them to be able to find like a good, an actual return that's going to net you something positive and you can build on it. So props to them, honestly, for that, because, you know, I think this cycle they were able to do pretty well with what they with what they had and, you know, kind of doing a mini rebuild. So. You know, there's a couple other trades and everything. Um, you know, I don't know. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on? Uh, yes. I'm going to be a little selfish this. Also, whenever I try and tweet a Sam W-R-Lay parlay, uh, it loses. And I think you, NBA Twitter, you, Nick's Twitter, are bad luck for me. I, Whenever I keep to myself, has a much better chance of winning. Right, this is the the day right before the All-Star break. Um, Milwaukee playing Philly. I had a quick little little nice teasel little parlay. 50 bucks on 30 points for Embiid, 30 points for Giannis, and the over to hit. So that's $200 coming my way. I was a little spooked of the fourth quarter, but Giannis, you know, he, he got like 16, 18 points in the last quarter so good on you they lost but you know what my pocket is a little little thicker so thank you how do you establish your bets how do you what's your um so, process for me i basically look through you know sometimes i feel strongly about a game i might bet that game individually right you know mm -hmm. if i'm really just i like the line there's you know money to be made but the parlay is I like to go through and, and kind of, you know, for instance, R.J. Barrett before his run would be at like 16 and a half, 17 and a half points. And, you know, you get a feeling with a certain game or player, and I just like to see, you know, do I think this player is going to hit the overs? I don't really bet the unders. You know, I know some people, when Randall was playing poorly, were betting Randall unders. I never really got into betting the unders like that. I like to combine six to eight overs which isn't always the easiest right because not everyone's going to have a great game so like i like to combine several different things so you know maybe two different players points on a team one player rebounds or like there's different interesting stuff you can get into right with like rebounds plus assists points rebounds assists you know it might be three-point field goals like sometimes there's a guy it will be at 0.5 three-point field goals, and it's like someone is likely to hit a three. So I like to combine stuff like that. Um, I found like sometimes I get a little bit too like figuring out a, something that's going to pay out great, and like you know you got seven or eight really good things, and you throw in one thing that that you know kind of ruins the whole parlay. So I've had a lot of ones where like you know the Trailblazers we talked about have been playing great. I had one where it was like going to pay out a, a, like. 12 or 1300 and like just had them covering against Miami and Butler goes out and everything they're covering the whole game last fucking minute worst beat they stop covering the last like 20 seconds um but you know I had a couple of nice ones like uh it would have been what the NFC championship game was Tampa Bay versus LA I had the round before that you know so for instance oh yeah so it'd be the round before that but so for instance like I like you know, for that, it was like, okay, Cooper Cup touchdown, Leonard yep. Fournette touchdown. Yep. Um, 
Mike Evans touchdown. Mm-hmm. I had like Brady over yards. I had Mike Evans over yards. I had Leonard Fournette over rushing yards. I think I had Cooper Cup over whatever eight eight and a half catches. Odell Beckham over yards. So it was a bunch of different things, and it just shows you when you pick seven to, to ten things like that how hard it is, because the Brady Brady threw a bomb to Mike Evans in the fourth quarter. They got the over yards for both of them. So then I'm like, okay, I just need Leonard Fournette to score a touch. Or to, no, he already scored a touchdown. I need 11 yards. They're on the 11-yard line. I got so lucky. He ran it in from fucking 11 yards. Mm-hmm. It was such a it was such a crazy bet, too, because it was like Von Miller, four and a half tackles over. And he had exactly four and a half tackles, but it was solo tackles plus assisted. So an assisted tackle counted out as one. So... It just goes to show you how hard those are to hit. Like, that one barely hit for me. But, you know, those are fun, I think. And if you're looking to get into it, try those 5 to $10. We call them Warlays, and whenever we post them, they don't hit. And then we don't post them, and they hit. So yeah. we're wondering what the fuck's going on here at Thibba Bros. Obviously, me it's you. It's not us. It's, it's you. But, um, you know, I think that's a good way to get started into it is, like, you're not – throwing huge money on stuff and i just got into one where i try to bet an over on points because you can only combine one over for each game for a single player Mm -hmm. points but pick each game pick one player who's gonna get the over on points and there's a lot of variability and stuff but you know sometimes you have to take in mind like this person's averaging 17 and a half he played bad the last couple games so the over under is at 14 and a half but he has a really good matchup or you know they're going to run more offense through him because someone else is out. So, like, there's very specific situations, like Randall with RJ being out. The over on his... He's like, going to he facilitate was, he was more He a lot of unders and shit. Like, he's get, more is going to be run through him. So, like, there's, there's very specific things that I think you can cherry pick or, like, recently traded players was one where, like, a lot of, like, overs were hitting because they're, like, tampering expectations. So, those are, like, kind of the fun ones to me and, like, that's kind of my process and i've had a couple nice um you know big props and i've had a lot where it was like so many hit and then there was just one bum one mixed in so you know it's not easy to do but i think that's that's the you know the, the funnest way for me to do it and that's my process so a lot my of times yeah that's good that's mine's so nerdy if you see me in my little process you're just like it kind of I'm not doing myself any favor saying it out loud, but I kind of reach dweeb status when I do it. So I'm very big on player bets. I do MGM, so I can do like, uh, I can change the over of the player's points a little bit. So I will check the averages, I'll check through the whole season, and then like the past like four or five games of a specific player that the Knicks or whoever are playing, and I'll say like Seth Curry, um, he facilitates, he's getting a lot of assists, so I'll do like the whole, um, and he's starting. The big thing is that he's starting, that there's all the injuries, so he's, he's out there getting minutes and then some points, rebounds, assists, and I'll do like 25-something, like a big over, and he's he hits it with all these fucking Taj minutes, and like, it got destroyed. Destroyed because I wanted like an easy points and rebounds by Mitch. He got into foul trouble, and it like botched me up. But I like, I saw and I studied what Drummond's been doing since the team. And even then, 
Lamarcus Aldrich off the bench is still like getting close, if not attaining double doubles. Right. So it's like just enough, and it's just all these pieces that come together. And I'll add in like you know what, Grimes is gonna get eleven points. Um, Burks is gonna get ten. I don't ask much of them, but just enough because these bench players, the odds bump up a lot if they do. And I'm not saying like to do the bare minimum or like an average, but just like a little tidge over without it being too ridiculous. And it'll get you to that like plus five, seven hundred that you're looking for. Right. And that's and that's like where the inside information of, you know, just watching the games or being up to date on what's happening with a specific team, who's out, you know, what player might get a bigger role or what's going to happen or, or even game plan strategy, all that, like who is the opponent? What kind of defense are they going up against? What, you know, like for instance, like Mitch when, um, you know, Rudy Gobert's out against Utah. Okay, is there's no longer a huge presence in the paint anymore. Like an alpha predator. So like you know, like points are going to come a lot easier for Julius Randle. Mitchell Robinson's going to get more rebounds than he's probably going to. So there's stuff like that that you can do for sure. And combining different player props with that is always. It's always going to be a huge risk, but when you hit it, it's really nice. Like, for instance, I can even think of like there was like Julius Randle was going on like a rebounding like, like he just all of a sudden was rebounding like twelve to fifteen rebounds a game. I have this crazy like you know ten, ten like parlay for him to just get more than like nine and a half rebounds. That game, his effort, and I was watching it like in the second half because everything else hit. It was like he just stopped trying on the on the on the board so it's like some stuff you never know or like a player gets hurt it's out of your hand but like you know if you have a, a close eye in the situation combining a lot of those stuff can can net you some money if you're smart about it i would almost prefer what's your what would you prefer um for your parlay to potentially get botched right away or at the end is that what you're gonna no, say no no but close um the player you need to hit the over or the the double double injury or foul trouble i would say injury because with injury there's like there's no hope it's like okay i fucking lost right with foul mm-hmm. trouble or like say ineffectiveness you're just like this like he could play right now he he's physically able to but he got himself in foul trouble like Mitchell Robinson for instance like he's in foul trouble this isn't gonna hit or like you know I think you know there's certain players and it's just like it's frustrating because it's like you know that they would probably hit like I know Odell Beckham yards that was a fucking shooting in the Super Bowl 13 left my goodness gravy something yards in the first half like in early in the second quarter or whatever when he got injured so that was one of my props was like and I knew because I'm like, Eli Apple's talking shit. This guy, knowing as a Giants fan, this guy's a fucking bum, which Cooper Cup took full advantage in the second half. But I'm like, I'll bet every over on that shit. Like, this guy's going to get I I up. hate how stupid in my face it was. It's like, Cooper Cup has been, like, dub- multiple scoring every game, and it's just like, I knew in my heart of hearts that he was going to get multi-touchdowns, and, like, the the odds of that was, like, it was, it was going to be a good payout, and I didn't do that. 
And it's just like the most dodoy moment. Of course he's going to do right. that against that off defense. I mean, I had a lot of Cooper Cup stuff in mind that did hit, but one of the ones that I did have was the Odell Beckham yards, which was like yeah. pretty clearly going to hit the – so, like, you know, I'd almost rather that happen. Just he's injured, you know, what the fuck are you going to do about it? But, uh, yeah, the NFL, I mean, you know, not to completely change the subject, but it'll be interesting to see, like, Burrow, like – it's really hard. Like, I know a lot of people are saying, like, will he make the Super Bowl again? Will he get to the pinnacle again and, and be able to do it? It's not easy. Like, let's think about it for a second. Like, Aaron Rodgers made this, has made the Super Bowl, what, one time? He won it. Mm-hmm. You know, multi, multi-time multi MVP. So, basketball is pretty unique in that if you're the best player in the league or if you're, like, one of these Giannis or LeBron-level players – you're going to affect the winning so much that, like, they're bound to make the finals pretty much. Or, you know, you you know, there's – and there's some, ex, like, exceptions to this. And, like – and that's why I think, like, the Hardens – James Hardens of the world, you can't really put them on the level of, like, Giannis and LeBron because, like, Harden's been a great regular season player, but he's never led a team to the, to the finals. He's never led a team to that without – you know, even being on – like super teams like you know they it, it hasn't worked out so it's like you, these guys are very special players and like generational talents and uh it doesn't come by very often so you got to kind of respect that that's crazy how like the that those western playoff superpowers like back then in um i think 17 or whenever uh whenever portland made it to the western conference finals all of my favorite players are like most interesting players are now like competing and they're just jumping to the east because it was Seth Curry and uh, Harden and all that. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, that Portland team peaked there and uh, there's a lot of teams like that where it's like, hey, you know, the Rockets, for example, or another one that just never could get past uh, Golden State. And like, it, it's, it's very interesting, like in the east, like we're talking about like, Remember we were talking about this, like, guys who have won Coach of the Year and then got fired right after that. Who'd that happen to? Dwayne Casey, Toronto Raptors. Um, So is it possible Tibbs could get fired? I think it's going to take really, really fucking losing the locker room to the point where it's, like, completely segmented. Nobody respects Tibbs anymore. And also just losing an absurd amount of games because we've had a mixed bag you had a great year one not so great year two but like with the Dwayne Casey thing they were like what the number one seed or number two seed in the east that year and which obviously helped him win coach of the year they couldn't get past LeBron for the millionth time and they said you know what no we're gonna change what we're doing we're getting a new new blood in here new you know a new guy to run the the team and Nick Nurse and they went all in on that Kawhi Leonard trade, which obviously DeRozan's playing like an MVP now, but he at the time wasn't really getting them to, you know, to the finals with Lowry. They they went all in on that whole deal, and you know that ends up working out. And now actually Toronto like has a very underrated like core right now with like Fred VanVleet 
you know, making first time all star. And... So he's in a three point contest, and I did not think he was a big sniper like that. He's, I mean, he's he's not like really a flashy three point shooter, but he's, he's he is a very good uh, three point shooter. And Gary Trent has like sent in the Norman Powell trade, like they did a couple trades like that, and Trent has worked out well. So that's like, and even Siakam starting to play better again. So that's like, you know, that's another team. But like, it just goes to show you, it's so hard to reach that pinnacle. And like, even if you're a super contender or have the stars there, it's not automatically going to equal success. I think that just about wraps it up. Yeah, it's about it. But uh, we we. Pray goodness to gracious heavens that uh, Obi Toppin pops off and he is not robbed. And if someone beats him, I need I need a razzle dazzle. Fuck wow, that's a generational talent. Never gonna see it again. Dunk. Not just like oh like, he he smooshed the rim. Simons, but yeah, it can't be like he kissed the rim. You know, like come on, like we need. Like, whatever happened to the creativity of the dunk contest? Come on. Yeah. I love I love a lot of it, and there's certain things like um, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, but this is before he was sick, where, like, the, the, Oladipo, the Oladipo put the mask on. It's like, you're not five. Give me something. Show athleticism. It's almost like it has to be, like... Props are great, but use it somehow in, like, in, in in the dunk itself, you know what I mean? Yeah, the guy that dunked over Shaq, that's a prop. That's a prop. Like use use some sort of crazy prop and like let's let's make this happen, but like come on. It's not just I jumped the highest so I automatically win it. That's that's not what we want to see, but good luck to Obi in the dunk contest. Um Grimes, a little bit of a snub for the Rising Stars game, but that's all good because he continues to prove himself as a really good 3D young player so you know he's going to just set the world on that. fire as a sophomore year it's all Pretty right sore young players getting disrespected we saw mm-hmm. with RJ quite a bit not even making second team all rookie and then actually i the think rampage he's kind of gone on since then last so. note I'll touch on is like do you think that Grimes has already gotten more minutes than quickly did at this time last year no i think it's about the same what the amount of minutes Grimes is getting now is probably about the same because if you remember quickly was kind of the sixth man eventually on that mm-hmm. team so like and and just ending on this conversation that's the most frustrating part about it is there are certain young players that Tibbs will just kind of you know he trusts them or he trusts that their skill set is going to help him immediately but if he doesn't see that he's not going to play him as he always fucking says in his broken record interviews at the end. So hopefully there's a breakthrough, but I'm not really planning on it with Tibbs. So we'll have to see if uh, our, our namesake can turn this around or if we're going to be searching for a new name in the next Twitterverse. Oof. Ominous. Kayvon Thibodeau to the, to the Giants. We'll just stick with that. Yeah, and that we'll just have to do Fibabro, B-R-E-A-U-X. <laughs> Like like a like a like a it'll have a little bit of a of a fucking LSU vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Baton Rouge. <laughs> but anyways, we'll we'll figure something out. But Tibbs, play the fucking kids. Yeah, and even for a while, if no. he's if he's he's not gonna get fired midseason. But if something happens, I just might be like the ghost of Tibbs yeah. past or I, and, something. And I wouldn't count on it. You know, 
I want to at least give Tibbs a chance with the young kids playing them and see where what happens with that. But the main part is he's not going to do it on his own. So something needs to, to happen there. But I'd like to at least see, you know, a season with the young core with him. But who knows? Who knows? Like, are stars willing to play for Tibbs? I don't really know. We had so much. I kind of want to, like, wait till the next pod to, like, go because I got so much more stuff to tangents saying maybe we'll start at next one but yeah the credibility we used to have and like i thought this is the next direction we're gonna attract players and stuff and as much damage as james dolan has done and all that like we can prove that this is a hot spot where like someone yeah. that like wants to a, a disgruntled player wants to Which go we just we kind of lost that a why bit right now i think the front office has just been making margin moves like stuff like applying extra or um i'm sorry acquiring extra second round picks getting reddish at a cheap price doing stuff like that is like what they're going with instead of the big moves and then just trying to get players that they thought would fit into what uh tibbs is doing functionally but obviously kemba and fournier haven't worked out but right now it seems like they're you know they're just making small margin moves with asset wise stacking and that's what they're going with for now so we'll see what happens in the end there but Knicks fans, like, don't don't freak out. Tibbs, whether he stays or not, we have R.J. Barrett, we have Obi Toppin, we have Quentin Grimes, you know, we have Cam Reddish. They're not getting enough minutes, but one way or another, something's got to give eventually. And it's on Leon Rose in the front office to make something happen. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for watching, and we'll catch you on the next episode of The Thibba Bros.